K-pop cast, bringing the best sounds and ideas in K-pop. Each episode, I'm DJ Peter Lowe, and introducing our special guest for this episode, I'd like to welcome to the virtual stage here, Virginia Mandarin Mama, aka delivering Yoongi's baby imminently, any moment now. Hopefully we have her through to the end of the episode. Right. Welcome, Virginia. <laughs> Hello. And welcoming Teresa, the co-host of the new podcast, It's a K-Pop Thing. Welcome, Teresa. Happy to be here. And it wouldn't be the K-Pop cast if it weren't for PDNIM. Yes. Hello, everybody. This is your PDNIM, Michaela. And in this episode, we'll introduce some hit replays, share what we're listening to in K-Pop, and do a rapid-fire debak or not reacting to hot issues. And don't forget to engage with us in our Slack. We've got a link to that in the description, as well as sign up for our newsletter for hard-heading editorial in K-pop. Yeah. So with that, hit replays. So in case you're new to the show, hit replays are simply the very best songs in K-pop that we recommend that you listen to or check out for various reasons. So kick us off, PDNM, what's your hit replay? My hit replay this week is the fourth B-side from Monster X's latest EP, Reason. It's called Lone Ranger. And to be honest, this is my hit replay because it made me answer the question, I'm a feminist until Monster X rolls up and says they're going to roll me like a tsunami. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. PDM, I, I didn't know what you're talking about because all I see in the outline here are cowboy happy face emoji, wave, horse, water droplets emoji, and bed emoji. And you saying it aloud <laughs> was something else. Monster X guys, if you don't know, we've talked about them on the show a lot, but they are currently promoting as a five-member boy band. They're under Starship Entertainment. They debuted back in 2015, so that means this year is actually their eighth year. Um, and so this track is off of their 12th EP. And for the highbrow reason I like it is because there's a Gayagun sample. You know, it's that 12-string traditional Korean instrument that sounds a lot like a banjo. And I really like it when you get these mixes of Eastern and Western sounds in songs. Like it reminds me specifically of this really experimental Chinese American folk album that I used to listen to, which is just like a banjo and that 12 string Chinese instrument. And it's like it combines the cultures in this like really beautiful way. So I'm really happy that with you know, this cowboy aesthetic coming back into K-pop that we get to hear that kind of experimental sound in in the actual song of K-pop. And the lowbrow reason is Monster X as sexy cowboys is like my ultimate concept for them. Like we got like hints of this back in Rush Hour back in 2021, but the song had like no, it was, it was like this like 90s throwback song. But this is like the song that I wish they had come back with, with, with the Stetsons, with the cowboy boots. And just like, if, if Kihan came up to me on a horse being like, darling, I'm gonna take you home. I can fix that. Like, ooh. 
you know, I feel like this is like Monster X, like as a band, as a concept, like, you know, you, you know how you got those calendars and like the, like, you know, maybe it's like firefighters one month and then like the next month it's like, you know, uh, you know, sexy nurse, like, you know, doctor policeman, like that, that's what we're going through it. And like this month it's like sexy cowboy yes. version. So Yeah. Like, ATs can have pirates, but let Monster X have cowboys, please. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, aren't cowboys just pirates, but in the Southwest? Yeah, but Virginia, I think your your hit replay is also a Monster X song, right? Yes. It's their third track on that album called uh, Crescendo. I don't really know how to explain why I love it. It's just, it starts off sounding very Asian and very spare. And yeah. then it turns into like a hard bop and it's like the bass and they just have like real cool sounds in the background. But really why I really like it is they say, let's get sexy. And I'm like, yes, let's get sexy. <laughs> Um, so that's the reason why there's no other good reason. I mean, it's it's just a good song. I feel, but yeah, because because Monster X, they're, they're grown ass men. They're gonna get sexy. Like they're not they're yeah. not here for the agio cute boy like concept. They're like yes. And the thing is, I don't even personally find myself attracted to Monster X. You know what I mean? Like okay, okay, fair. But like, <laughs> that sounds I like know. betrayal. After, after you're like, actually, I also have a Monster X song, and then you get Petey in like all excited, and now you're like, actually, but I'm not really attracted to them personally. I feel like, but I think you can acknowledge that you don't like, per, you don't, you're not like physically attracted to them, but like, the song's sexy, right? <laughs> like, it's, uh, Please don't at me, everyone. I do have <laughs> eyes. They have very nice bodies. They it's okay. Don't... Yeah. It's okay. More for me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Like, the band is eight years old, right? So, like, yeah. I'm wondering what that is in, like, dog years or, like, K-pop years, you know, to be, like, adult sexy time. Like, but they were doing that from the start, weren't they? Yeah. Like, yeah, no. There okay. was always this, like, very intense, like, hard core concept for monster eggs i was gonna say if you want to ask about adult sexy we should ask jyp (laughs) (laughs) virginia really okay okay i think it's time to move along to yeah uh, speaking of jyp Teresa, what is your replay for this week wow what a lead in (laughs) not to mention like sexy romantic but yeah All right. Well, if we're talking about sexy, romantic uh, songs and concepts and JYP, this is in the opposite end of the spectrum. (laughs) This is not a song that is a sexy concept at all. So my hit replay for this week is Stray Kids Case 143, which is from their end of year comeback uh, last year in 2022. I 
love it because it was kind of one of those like title tracks where the title name itself was kind of like, wait, what? What are you referencing? And it's actually um, for people who don't know, it's like the, you know, if when you were in school, you would write a code one four three, and it stands for I love you, with one four three representing the letters in the phrase I love you, which is super cute. And also makes me think like, okay, wait, who on the songwriting team like actually knew that? Because I feel like not a lot of people know that. Um, the MV I think is super, super cute. Um, this whole song is just adorable. It's not sexy. It's not hot. It's fun. It's goofy. It's candy colored. Um, it's CG rich. And the MV features the boys dressed as, if you haven't seen it, the MV features the boys dressed as like a police slash detective unit. They're trying to solve the case where there's these tiny little like animated hearts um, that have caused a quote unquote crime by suddenly making stray kids feel all of the romantic, fuzzy, heartwarming feelings that come with like liking someone or falling in love. And this is such a departure from uh, a lot of the other concepts that stray kids has had to date. You know, where they're usually known for their like hard hitting songs where, you know, they're like just like really going 150 in their choreo and their rap verses, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, here's, I guess, the chorus for the song. And obviously, look, if you don't know who Stray Kids is, um, they're probably JYP's like most popular boy band at the moment. Um, they have eight current members, Changbin, Hyunjin, Han, Felix, Seungmin, and I.N. Their former member Ujin left the group for like personal reasons. We're not going to get into that. Um, but right now they're super popular. They debuted via JYP's favorite way to <laughs> debut a group, the survival reality TV show format. To date, Stray Kids has released eight mini albums, um, including their pre-debut mixtape. And overall, they're known for like their high energy hip hop infused songs, um, which, you know, is credit to Bang Chan, Changbin, and Han um, for, you know, all of their involvement in the uh, compositions for the group. But yeah, that's... Uh, that, that's Stray Kids. That's Stray Kids, guys. Already, yeah. You know, I definitely agree with you about this being like an interesting, like a fresh concept for them, this idea of just being like, hey, I love you. Like, I want to be your boyfriend. Because I feel like Stray Kids concepts before, it's all it's all about like, oh... I'm I'm different. Nobody gets me. Like I, <laughs> I'm, I'm an trying, angsty I'm to, teenage to, boy who. Yeah, I'm trying to be myself, but it's like, oh wait, now I've hit puberty and I actually like have feelings for this person. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like these feelings are so foreign. I have to investigate them and figure out what's going on here because I'm not used to feeling warm and fuzzy. Right. Yeah. No, I thought, I think it's an adorable song. I think it's also the reason why it's a hit replay on, for me is not only is it a departure, um, but I think it's just lighthearted. I think it's nice to see a group kind of go from, you know, something that's hard hitting to something a little bit more playful. And I think that even though this comeback wasn't necessarily their most popular one, I think it's nice to see them kind of explore new territory and really lean into the goofy side of the group, which is really, I think, like what all stays and fans of the group like really love. And also, I think just like the choreo for this song is like ready made for the dance challenges, which I know people like love hate. But this one actually seems like, oh, that's actually like a really interesting hand movement. Um, so I love like seeing like Yeonjun from TXT trying to like 
figure out the hand choreo and then like other idols trying to be like, wait, how do you actually do this? Um, so that was really nice. So I feel like it's one of those songs that when there's those uh, random dance play events, like at KCON or something like mm-hmm. that, like this is one of those songs that comes on the first few seconds, you know which song it is. And then people are excited oh, yeah. to do the choreography. So to me, that makes it a great K-pop song. The only thing that I don't like about it is the siren in the background because I have played this in my car and literally (laughs) pulled off to the side thinking that there was actually like an ambulance or fire truck passing you by, but no, it was in the song. Don't you hate it when that happens in K-pop songs? Like, or there's like honking in a song or... I'm like, guys, guys, I actually have a driver's license in a car. (laughs) (laughs) Think of me and think of the... Think of the public safety here. No, but even when you're not driving, you're in your house and you're like, oh, is everything okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wish it, it's one of those things where I'm like, guys, just leave it for the MV and that's enough. Yeah. You know, but songs this is actually, need noises. <laughs> well, noises that, you know, you're not going <laughs> to mistake in real life. But um, this is actually a song that we've talked about quite a bit with right. the listeners on Slack. Um <laughs> You know, interestingly, we actually haven't until now had an opportunity to really talk about it deeply, even though it made it into the list of most innovative songs of the year for year end episode. I really like how self-aware it is. Like it's, um, you know, you're, you're, you're building this consciousness of like, what is this thing? This, this like love monster that maybe I'm becoming. And like that self-awareness extends all the way to like the YouTube, like video frame that it's like uh, filmed. And so at one point, I think it's in the bridge, they show the the YouTube, like, you know, viewer controls and they like break out of it. Mm. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty meta, I guess, in yeah. that sense. And then um, one other thing I want to call out, it was listener Auntie Wu. She called it out. I didn't, I didn't recognize it at first, but she said like, hey, you know, there, there's a real Latin thing happening in some moments in this song. And what we discovered is that it actually has a uh, Montuno chord progression. Right. Um, so right. It, it's a really, you know, interesting, like, you know, Stray Kids so known for their like EDM bangers most of the time. Incorporating this like Latin chord progression just gives us like this really like, you know, color, flair, uh, flavor that, you know, you just want it, you know, pair, but it goes together so well. I love that. Okay, well, we'll move on to my hit say, replay. I was going to so, be like, speaking of flavor, but... No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So my hit replay is the reggaeton bad bitch single from last year. It's oh my God. of Vengeance. who BB is. She's like the number one, number two bias at the show next to, to Jen Soyeon. Um, <laughs> so she is a South Korean singer-songwriter and she's signed with Feel Good Music after Yoon Mi Ray discovered her on SoundCloud. And she goes by the name Naked BB on SoundCloud in the name meaning uh, baby sounding like BB 
when it's pronounced very quickly and that newborn babies don't wear any clothes and have a natural appearance that doesn't affect it by anything. So you can kind of extend that concept to her, you know, her singing style and sound. And she's also known for having two dots under her eyes. So if, if you like pay attention, that's pervasive in all her music videos and performances. And they are not moles. Um, they're, they're just makeup. And they were inspired by her grandma's, that uh, was caused by uh, his fevers. Uh, by her grandpa, excuse me, but she died from. And it's a tribute to the grandpa, who was a role model to her. Okay, so anyway, this song, um, it came out last year, but it's a slow burn. Like, I, it came out, and I remember sharing, you know, on the Slack, like, hey, this song by BB came out, or here's a song by BB, therefore, mm-hmm. you know, watch it. And I, I didn't really think much of it after that. And then, like, you know, weeks would pass and, like, it would come on the radio and I'd be like, oh, whoa, this song is so good. Like, who is this again? Like, or, or like, when did this song come out again? It's like, oh, yeah, this is BP's new song. And um, so it, it just continues to grow on me, you know, months later. What stands out is the reggaeton percussive beats, that Dembo beat, and the, um, you know, the drums that you, you typically get in reggaeton sounds. Um, but really, really, Mm-hmm. The reason to like this song is because BB like has it. She's that it girl, and this song like brings that forward. That that essence of BB so strongly. So the the first like third of the music video kind of shows like BB like enduring, being subjected to, agonizing, tolerating like the patriarchy, like all these times and like you know family corporate settings that you're dealing with, like you know old white men, like, you know, doing their thing. Um, and, you know, you having to go along with it because of power dynamics. It just shows how painful that is. And then there's this moment um, midway through the the song where it shows BB as this, like, gang mafia murderer boss, uh, where she takes that man, that personified man of the patriarchy, like, out of a cage. And, you know, the guy, you know, is, you know, is trying to, you know, make amends. You need to say like, Hey, you know, it's, it's, it's my fault. I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm almost there from now on, you know, I'll fully back you, you know, but Hey, I, I didn't really do that. You know, that, that thing. And in response, you see BB like lean into this, this man and she grabs him by his face and just laughs. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, right. give me my money. You motherfucker. Like, she's <laughs> like that bad bitch. She's like, I don't like, you know, whatever, like give, give me my money. And this is like the, what manifests out of the, the patriarchy. This is the bad bitch that manifests in in response to all that, the, that, you know, the horribleness of the patriarchy. And I just love how at the end of the music video, you can see that um, you're just looking at at her back, and she's got those like you know full blown like dragon tattoo, as is often equated with being like if you've got these tattoos and you're in um, uh, you know the the hot tub or whatever you call it, I like the, these like uh, you know communal uh, pools like that you're not supposed to do that means that you're a member of the mafia. So it's like a real strong like gang association with that look. Um, so as she's like lying there, one of her surrogates like walks up to her and politely informs her like, Hey, you know, Mr. Kim, he's been taken care of. And then she says, Oh, that's good. And she, you know, there's this like relief. There's this like release, like, okay, you know, like whatever, like I, I don't, I don't give two shits anymore, but like, I'm good. And so it's just like this real like subversion, like at the beginning of the music video, 
looking at what the power dynamics as they are and being subjected to the patriarchy. And then at the end, like you've got this like flip side of like, okay, you know what? I, I don't care about this like man anymore. It's like, whatever, I'm, I'm in control. So those are all the mm-hmm. reasons why it's a hit replay for me. Yeah, it's it's, it's a whole film like I, I need the part two. Like I need to see her running this criminal empire that she's now created for herself because that this character in this music video is just so amazing. Yeah, yeah. But we have one last hit replay for you guys. Uh, Stephanie had submitted her hit replay through recording. Hey everybody, this is Stephanie from the K-pop cast, and my hit replay for this week is "Back to You." by Xiao Chun and Kun from Wavy, uh, which I learned about on their latest album, Phantom. So this song had me hooked right from the first few notes. There's soft horns that just really grabbed my attention because we don't really hear that instrument used or highlighted in k-pop or asian pop nowadays in general or really anywhere um it reminded me number one of like classic hong kong uh, ballad singers that i used to listen to a lot like jackie chung and andy lao i was like oh yeah we're getting back to the good stuff and um, you know also american soul right like the roots of soul the stylistics delphonics and when they used to have those big bands or orchestras behind a like an epic love ballad so um, i just thought this song was done in a timeless romantic style Uh, the producers and composers were not trying to do too much with it they just had a really solid melody in a song and the two artists Xiao Chun and Kun executed the vocals perfectly with smoothness and power and emotion so um, I know I'm about a year late to discovering this gem but it is now in my rotation and hopefully I'm the first to let somebody else in the world know about it And now it's time for How You Think. So just something that's happening in the How You world that we want to talk about. So Michaela, kick us off. Yeah, no, my How You Think is this performance that Vix just did as a special stage. Um, they just had a comeback recently, but instead of performing their their song, they did a, a compilation of like three of their more popular songs. They performed Shangri-La, Chained Up, and Voodoo Doll. And I'll be honest, guys, I almost cried watching this performance because it's been like almost three years since we've seen Vix together performing. I mean, in this performance, it wasn't all of Vix. It was just Leo, Ken and Hyuk, but still just seeing them doing performing these iconic songs together was just it, it warmed my heart. Um, it also made me a little worried because it was the on, only the three of them promoting for for this comeback. So I'm really worried that this sad comeback song that they had, um, We're Gonna Be All Right, is actually like a harbinger of a disbandment song. <laughs> so hope, hopefully not. But watching this performance is, is, you know, giving me hope. Yeah, they've been around for a long time. Yeah. Like how many years is it now? 
They uh, they debuted in 2012. So almost 11 years now. Oh, that's ancient in K-pop years. Yeah. Okay. Oh, move on to my thing. Um, all right. So my how you thing this week is hashtag protect sugar. Or I guess as Virginia is now <laughs> educating me, hashtag we love Yoongi. Um, so this kind of starts from a spicy place. Um, in an interview between Suga and Taeyang of Big, of Big Bang. Bang, Suga says, and I quote, it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that Big Bang practically made BTS. And so to quote someone on the internet, so did they like... Who is, who is this person? That, who I don't... I, I'm just trying not to get this person in trouble with the sevens is all I'm saying. Here, here. Th- no, this is me. So Okay, ba- so ba- it was Michaela. I, I basically said, so did Big Bang like pave the way for BTS? <laughs> Starting fights on the internet. In the morning too. This is like 8 a.m. I know. <laughs> I saw Stephanie's reply to you and I was like, what happened? <laughs> Wait, what, what did Stephanie say? She said, it's it's like, I just woke up <laughs> or something to that equivalent. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, I guess like where this maybe the controversy stems from, I mean, I really want to hear your take on this, Virginia, but like mm-hmm. fandom gives so much to their idols. Like they are mobilizing, working their idols up the charts and opening doors and getting them onto the radio and doing all these things. And so it's like, you know, it's fandom, right? Often the time uh, that are doing all the legwork for their idols. And so for someone to say, yeah, but this artist, other artists paved the way, it's got to feel very invalidating to fans right? Like, at least that's my theory. Um, so anyway, it, not to mention that BTS is known for quote unquote paving the way, uh, <laughs> for a lot of things. So, you know, to say that big bang made BTS felt just very invalidating to perhaps all the success that BTS has had today. So a small minority of uh, armies said like, you know, sugar, you're the worst. Why are you doing this? You're taking away everything that you've done. And then, so in response to that, you have hashtag protect sugar, all the armies and non armies saying like, no, like sugar's having a perfectly adult conversation right. here. And then you've got these two Titans veterans of K-pop, having mutual admiration for each other. And he's so sweet during this whole interview. You can see how excited and nervous he is to be talking to Taeyang. Like <laughs> he's sharing really all adorable. these stories of like we we studied your performances. We we sang bang 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 in the Norebang like a hundred times. Like you 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 guys don't know how much your music has inspired and impacted us. Yeah, and I feel like there's multiple issues or like multiple things to like unpack, right? One is that just because fans or historians or whatever interpret events a certain way, that does not mean that is the way the actual people involved interpret the events, right? Mm-hmm. 
And then two, like, if I was interviewing Sugar, I would be an in- incoherent, sobbing, thirsty mess. <laughs> so, <Same>. like, <laughs> right? Like, let this shy boy, fanboy all over Taeyang, okay? Don't take this away from him. Let him be very cute so that I can watch it. And then, like, um, a lot of people, um, Peter, you were saying how, like, people would feel betrayed. And the reason why a good portion of ARMY does feel or does did feel betrayed is because um, in May of 2015, the Big Bang fandom, like VIPs, um, were very upset that um, BTS got their first number one and they beat Big Bang. And so in like album sales or something. And then so there was this huge thing. They accused BTS of like Sajegi, I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, um, but basically of like chart manipulation that the, that high or big hit then um, bought all these albums. And that's the only way that they could have beaten Big Bang. And it's understandable because like, hey, here's this tiny band from a tiny company. They weren't super popular in Korea, but they didn't, people didn't take into effect that international fans came in and bought a lot of um, albums. And so VIPs were really mad. And then I think then somehow shiny fans got involved and then XOLs got involved. Of course, because, you know, naturally. Right. (laughs) And so, yeah, so it was really very messy and dirty. (laughs) And um, so there's all these accusations and then ARMY went around like collecting receipts like physical receipts, like take pictures of your receipts of your group orders and then posting it to say like, hey, and then there was an investigation launch. So there's a, it's really messy, right? And then, and because BTS has mentioned a lot of times, like, oh, they re- referred to like 2015 through 2017 as a really horrible time and that their fans protected them. You know, they seem like, like they reference it a lot of times, right? They talk about it a lot of times. And so then a lot of fans felt like, hey, we protected you during this time. And apparently, allegedly, like, like Big Bang family members would join the accusations. Oh, goodness. So even though Big Bang members didn't say anything, their, like, their related people did or whatever. Um, and so people felt really betrayed, like, hey, we protected you from Big Bang's fans. And now you're saying, like... We wouldn't have existed without Big Bang. They're like, what the hell? Right. So some people like, you know, you can see why people would feel betrayed, right? Like if yeah. they felt like they did all this work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I personally don't feel that way because I was I didn't become a fan till like 2018, right? So like <laughs> it's it's very removed from me, right? Right. But, but like if I made all that effort, I'd be pissed. <laughs> right? Like Yeah. Do you think like I, I wonder, do you think that this is mostly and I don't know if there's any way to figure this out, but do you think that this sense of betrayal is something that's Mm -hmm. coming more from like American fans or is it also um, Korean fans or it's like a mix of the two? Oh, Mm. I don't know. Um, And the reason I ask is just because in English, (laughs) like the whole, the, the idea of like, so-and-so paved the way, like mm -hmm. that phrase to me, I think is uh, triggering for anyone in any kind of fandom, not just K-pop, because the implicit rationale there is your group wouldn't succeed or 
would not even exist, you know, if, if it, it weren't, weren't for, for so-and-so. Yeah. And hmm. I think that that's where it kind of like really rubs certain people, you know, in different fandoms the wrong way. Like saying like, so-and-so paved the way because it's, it's belittling your group, right? It's saying like, you wouldn't even exist if it weren't for so-and-so, you know? Whereas I think, you know, Yoongi saying like, hey, you guys like made us is, I don't know if that's, you know, the direct translation or the, uh, the closest translation. It's, it's evoking a different sentiment, right? Which is you guys are a part, we're a part of our upbringing, our, you know, experience in the world and you're infused in us, in like our music, in how we trained, you know, what we looked up to. So to me, and maybe this is the writer side of me coming out, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, that just connotes something so different, which is really heartwarming and heart heartfelt. And I don't know, as a fan, I was like, yeah, it's great for you to speak about your idols and to literally have a, a true conversation with somebody that you've admired for so long and to be bashful and, and honest about it, you know, and you're going to be humble because you, as an artist, are the only one who can speak to, hey, when I was like in my dormitory by myself, like these are the songs that I would play. These are the songs that I would practice to, you know, these are the songs that maybe, you know, on my journey musically, I emulated in some way because every artist does that in their early years, you know? Yeah, I do agree in the sense of like your sentiment of how to interpret what Yungi said. Mm -hmm. um, but I do know several Korean translators and they were all expressed immense frustration at the language that he used. Mm. So I don't think it's quite that issue of translation because many of them complain like he could have said inspired, he could have said blah, blah, mm -hmm. lots of things. But he said BTS, uh, Big Bang made BTS. So I think a lot of the implication that it, it's a very similar implication to pave the way. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, so my Korean translator friends were really upset about it, you know, or mm -hmm. some of them were um, because they've been super longtime fans. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that I don't think there, I personally don't think that there's anything wrong with saying someone paved the way before you, because it's yeah. ridiculous to think that you, the, nothing no one's athena popping out of zeus's head wholesale whole as a god right like um but yeah like i don't think i don't think that anybody pops out uninfluenced by other people and then like i'm bringing it back old school guys i remember an episode of the fresh prince of bel-air and um will smith is like hey i just wanted to do everything on my own like you uncle phil and Uncle Phil says, you're stupid because I never did anything on my own. I re I needed other people to help me and other people opened doors and I went through them. And so no one ever does anything alone. So that's kind of how I see it. I agree with you. I And, you know, you you take it to like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and I'm like, I think of being in a sorority. <laughs> so like I um, was in a, a Chicana Latina based sorority in California in college and um, there's a, this is very, my, you know, very niche, but basically within the Latino Greek college system, there's like always a lot of um, discussion about the divine nine, 
which are the historical um, Black fraternities and sororities, and uh, how they essentially paved the way for a lot of um, other Greek fraternities for um, ethnic groups, you know, in the college mm-hmm. level. And being in a Latina sorority, it was kind of something where we kind of had to have those discussions and be like, okay, here's how you can be proud of being part of this organization and this organization's history. But like, you also have to recognize that these other groups just like factually existed before us. And like a lot of our traditions and customs are heavily influenced by these other organizations, you know? And I bring that up only because like you're saying, it's like nobody's, nothing exists in a vacuum. Like we're all looking to each other for inspiration, whether we're doing so consciously or not. And I think that's okay. Yeah. That's more than okay. It doesn't lessen BTS's achievements to acknowledge that, hey, Big Bang. I had, I was not into K-pop at that time and I heard of Big Bang, you know, like it's a, it it doesn't take anything away from BTS. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think this is the the last time people are going to take what Sugar says out of context. Like, isn't this the second time already? Like, first it was BTS as hiatus. Oh, now yeah, it's yeah. Who, who who paved the way for BTS. <laughs> I have a feeling like we're going to continue this conversation again later on in the year. Like, yeah. just leave him alone. Let him, <laughs> let him visit his fifth child when I give Aww. birth to them. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. So, Teresa, what is what is your how you think for this week? Yeah, I guess mine um, is a little bit B, is is a little bit of a BTS tangent, but not so much. But um, basically, right now it's Fashion Week um, for menswear for fall, winter twenty twenty three slash twenty twenty four, and usually this is like a you get all of the um, uh, major fashion houses kind of you know obviously showcasing their latest collection, but you basically get like these awesome snippets, videos and photos of like A-list celebrities, anybody who's like popular um, and has some major, major influence sitting front row at all of these runway shows. And you get little uh, behind the scenes video of like different celebrities that you never really thought would interact with one another, interacting with one another because they're invited to these Uh, runway shows. So this week there is, you know, just yesterday, just a lot of video coverage um, of like Jimin and J-Hope sitting front row at Dior. And there's, they're literally sitting next to Naomi Campbell, who is one of the biggest model superstars like ever. (laughs) And it's just such a striking image to see the, you know, the three of them kind of sitting, you know, side <laughs> by side and then being swarmed by all of these different uh, photographers and videographers and everybody's just like screaming, you know, trying to get their attention. And it's just really funny right now to see all of these legacy news outlets like the New York Times, like the Washington Post, um, really including and noticing K-pop stars and how much of an impact they're having right now in fashion, in luxury fashion. And for context or just a little bit of quick background, um, in my early days as a journalist, uh, I used to cover style. I wasn't exclusively covering runway shows, but I have been to them before. For people who've never been or who don't really follow fashion in that way, the runway show itself goes by so quickly. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. 
two two K-pop songs and like you're out. Like it's oh, done. Wow. You know, it's like it's so quick. It's just a few minutes long. Um, like 10, maybe. So maybe three K-pop songs. I don't know. <laughs> really, all of the action happens before and after. So it's who's showing up, who's there, who are we waiting for? And then like it's also one of the reasons why runway shows themselves are like notorious for starting like 40 minutes late after they're scheduled to start up to an hour, because literally you have all of these A-list celebrities interacting with one another and everybody wants to get the right photo, the right clip, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. You know, and you're not going to tell Naomi Campbell like, hey, we're starting the show. Can you sit down? Like, (laughs) that's not going to (laughs) happen, you know? Um, And then everything that happens after. So this isn't like entirely new. We have seen a lot of other K-pop idols in recent years become brand ambassadors for luxury houses. Right. Most notably, you have like in Blackpink, you know, Jisoo with, um, I think it's Dior, Rosé, uh, YSL, um, and uh, Jenny, Chanel. You know, so you have like, you already kind of, it's not new territory for K-pop idols to become brand ambassadors, you know, for luxury brands. But I think the fact that they're now so, like that K-pop is such a phenomenon globally Mm -hmm. and the fact that they're sitting front row and then garnering this much crazy attention, I think is like, it's an interesting time because it really signals a shift, I think, in like marketing strategy for these um, fashion houses. And also I think for, other news outlets that are finally like looking at K-pop and saying like, oh, oh, this is so-and-so is a K-pop artist. We have to capture a photo of them, you know, versus like before you might have Korean outlets, you know, really vying for a photo of um, Kai at Gucci, you know, now it's like, oh no, so-and-so is Korean. (laughs) They're an idol. Everybody's fighting to get that shot, you know, and just, you know, the videos of like Jimin and J-Hope at Dior, it's just like hundreds of fans waiting outside the runway show just to catch a glimpse of them. And I think that's just, I don't know, it's it's an interesting time right now in fashion slash K-pop. Yeah. Speaking of paving the way, for those who <laughs> pave the way in Korea's <laughs> highly competitive road paving industry, um, I, I really liked it when uh, 2NE1 and Jeremy Scott were doing something. I, mm, I don't know. Like, yeah. Teresa, like, do you feel like there's a difference in the marketing strategy from that era versus this era? Because when I think of like Jeremy Scott and Tony One, I think there was a certain like magical appeal in that K-pop was out there. It was this like different, colorful thing compared with what maybe you're used to seeing with old guard. And fashion. Yes. So I think that's, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. I think that was an era where it was like K-pop was seen as just like, oh my God, this is like, I don't, I don't want to use the term like avant-garde, but it was kind of like, ooh, like if you're in the know, you -hmm. know, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now like we're talking Dior, we're talking Louis Vuitton, we're talking YSL, we're talking Gucci, like we're talking Prada and hyping at Prada. Like these wait, are- Wait, 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 Just contextualize that, uh, Teresa, for our <laughs> listeners. So, like, 
So like what 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 contrast are you trying to to make here? So with the these contrast brands? is that these are luxury fashion houses that are part of the let's say the creme de la creme of couture. So okay. these are houses that have couture. Not every fashion designer does couture. Mm-hmm. So couture, I think there's only mm, like less than like 20 in the world right now um, that still do couture. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to fact check that, but it's it's not very many. So to contextualize it, basically not every fashion designer does couture. One, because it's painstaking. It's extremely expensive Everything is, by sheer definition of the term, couture, it's custom, mm-hmm. meaning that, you know, you're, you're dressed like no one else will have it. Or if they do, it's only going to be made to order, basically, and mm-hmm. to fit your body type. Um, and what this means that th- is that the houses that are still able to make this um, have decades, if not more than like a century, usually more than a century, um, though not necessarily, of like experienced tailors and artisans who train under the guise of other trained artisans um, and uh, designers and so on and so forth to learn how to make these. That's why, you know, these uh, dresses. Uh, So that's why, you know, you only really see that kind of high luxury fashion on something like, you know, the Oscars you know, where you see like the red carpet in the US where it's like, oh my God, like we get to see our favorite celebrities dress like princes and princesses, you know, or like royalty essentially, because these are house fashion houses that are catering to the uber wealthy people. Now, Jeremy Scott was a designer that, you know, not to go off on a crazy tangent, but like he has his own style and it's not something that's considered like luxury fashion, you know? So that's kind of, I guess, the distinction that I'm trying to make that you have now K-pop artists who are sitting front row at luxury fashion houses. Mm -hmm. So they are now the creme de la creme, you know, and the, the signals a shift in the type of influence and buying power that the European uh, fashion market believes they command. Got it. So it's very different from like them wearing streetwear. Absolutely. Absolutely. A thousand percent. Like, yes. Don't do not insult us with No, 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 no. No, I'm just trying to like, it's different. It's totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a reason also why like, you know, bringing it back to like Blackpink, there's a reason why, um, you know, the houses that they're, the, them being brand ambassadors for the respective houses that they represent now is such a big deal because, you know, these are houses where, you know, you're not Dior, you know, I don't know. I don't know how else to say this. It's just, it's a big deal. I think it's an interesting shift and it's not to knock down streetwear or any other fashion um, house that another K-pop idol might represent. It's just that, oh, this is really, really interesting because this is a, an industry that is very, very small I mean, it's huge. I'm sorry. It's huge, but it's very, very targeted Yeah. because not everybody obviously can afford luxury fashion. But I think it's interesting that it signals a shift where, hey, these fashion houses, instead of looking only Just where the at- power is coming from, like rather than trying to get in, it's like we're 
instead of the idols trying to get in, it's more the other way around. Yeah. And I think it's like these fashion houses are, it's a signal. It's part of a broader shift at looking at East Asia and uh, luxury buyer, luxury consumers in that region. Oh, yeah, um, sure. as being the go-to market for yep. a lot of these uh, designers. So it's not just K-pop idols. You're also seeing a lot of K-drama actors at these shows now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's yeah. part of a broader shift at looking at East Asia and the um, one percenters. I, I also read that they're they're going after like K-pop and K-drama men because they wear bags and purses. So, and like a lot of jewelry. So it it like opens up a wider range of things that they can represent for um, the brand versus like Western men don't, you know, they don't do that. I think that I have not read, but I think that makes absolute sense. Like I'm not surprised to hear that at all because it's, yeah, I think it's definitely a cultural difference, you know, in the United States, it's not, cool. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I always think of the friends episode that, that included Joey, where he gets like a bag and, uh, and everybody's like, <laughs> like, he's like, it's a bag. And they're like, that's a purse. He's like, no, it's not. It's just like, you know, and they just have this entire right. episode where they're going back and forth about this. What's essentially like a, a bag, a purse mm-hmm. that he's carrying. Okay. Well, we, we should move along here. So Virginia, you've got probably the biggest item oh. on here. So why why don't you uh, take us away on yours? I will try to TLDR it as much as possible. So basically, Jackson Wang. Jackson Wang, guys. Jackson Wang. The way I'm so sad I did not get tickets, but anyway. Oh, um, my God. Jackson Wang's in the news because of this viral uh, rant uh, that yeah, because this is, is a rant. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a rant. I, I think it went on like 17 minutes or something. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Um, at his London show. And basically he says, you know, the me- Western media is racist against China and like says a bunch of stuff. And then um, I'm not sure if his concert goes quite understood what was going on. So they all clap for everything. Um, he was like right. half a bottle of Henny Deep. And then... <laughs> You know, that probably did not help. (laughs) So for background, Jackson Wang is a member of K-pop band GOT7. He's a solo artist and entrepreneur. He's from uh, Hong Kong and Shanghai, China. He always says, hi, I'm Jackson Wang from China. And um, he's basically the hardest working person I've ever. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, just this man does not stop. Like, he must be so tired. Uh, And so a lot of fans are very upset about his support for China. Uh, for China's many human rights violations and then like the suppression of the Hong Kong independence. So yeah, a lot of people have been very upset about it. And then on on the flip side, a lot of Chinese nationals or Chinese netizens have been very mm-hmm. proud of him. And they're like, and it's sort of like backhanded compliments. Wow, we didn't realize someone raised in HK could be so pro-China. So that tells you a yeah. lot. <laughs> it's like, oh, maybe you should not support him this way. <laughs> So, yeah, so there's a huge controversy about it and there's sort of a backlash um, among Jackson fans and other people. And so personally, like, I think Jackson has never made it unclear that he's Jackson going from China. Right. And uh, because he says that all the time. (laughs) Well, also, like, 
whenever he was with GOT7, half the year he was in GOT7, the other half was all in mainland China. Oh, where yeah, he totally. was more popular, you know, more well-known in clout, notoriety, probably commercial success. Yes. And then um, he's on variety shows, a bunch, like he's a judge on a ton of shows and like he's like super famous. He, I think he started like a band, right? Or like some crew, Pan the Pack. <laughs> like they went on tour, like he does all these things in China. Yeah. Um, so a lot of fans who are, or people who are upset about this have responded by being anti-Asian, anti-Chinese and very like racist. Xenophobia, basically, right? <laughs> right. Sinophobia. Um and so I think there's things that people need to separate, right? Like one, Jackson Wang is from China. I think it's unreasonable to expect a Chinese citizen whose family lives there, whose livelihood um, mm-hmm. uh, makes all his money there, you know, or a ton of money there. And unless you've people forgotten, China is a communist nation and not very kind to people who are famous and in the public eye and say bad things about China. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) So, you know, like if Jack Ma, one of like the richest and most powerful Chinese businessmen, disappeared for months and then just reappeared. Like, what could they do to a pop star and his family? <laughs> well, they, they this has been done with pop stars, right? Like, Lee right. Bing yeah. and, and who else? Like, a lot of others. Um, who was the... I, I can't remember. There's just there's just so many examples. <laughs> right, <laughs> I mean, right. Um, so, so, one, like, we have to remember that. And, like, ask yourself, if you were in that situation, what you would do. I'll tell you what I would do. I would say, you know what? China's great. <laughs> Yeah. Right? Like, what are you going to do when you have family? Like, you, the, there's a reason why, like, revolutions are started by people who are very young and nothing to lose, right? Because mm-hmm. you've literally got nothing to lose. It doesn't matter. Um, so I think it's ridiculous to expect a pop star. First of all, it's ridiculous to expect your pop stars from different countries and different cultures to have the same frame of reference and, like, as you do, comfortable in the West. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's kind of. Yeah. There's just a lot of prior assumptions made. Right. About, yeah. yeah. And and to be honest, this is something I've been kind of anticipating what happened with Jackson for, for a while now. Like oh, once yeah, totally. he once he went solo and especially when he started doing a lot of more Western promotions, like knowing that when he he introduces himself, he is Jackson Wang from China first and foremost every time. How his star growing in, in not you know, not only in America, but also just in general in the West how how far he could go essentially mm. with you know that red star on his on his chest the whole time <laughs> right and then also it's so hypocritical like where is the outrage against western artists and celebrities mm-hmm. like the us and europe are rife with human rights violations like where's the demand for like western celebrities to justify their love for their country right like no one's going to like I don't actually know any Western celebrities anymore because all I do is watch PTS. <laughs> but like, whatever. No one's going to like Angelina Jolie and going, what do you think about, okay, maybe Angelina Jolie is I was about to example. say, actually, maybe Angelina Jolie is not yeah. the best example like, because she's, <laughs> she's a UN spokesperson. Right. <laughs> Bad example. We should cut this. So Virginia doesn't look as stupid. Um, but like, you know, going up to like fucking Miley Cyrus and going, hey, what do you think about like, 
Well, Miley Cyrus has her pet issues, but oh, maybe God not transnational. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with you, though, Virginia, in the sense that I think it's just a slippery slope when you start yes. going to pop stars and expecting them to regurgitate back to you your own political ideologies. Yes. And Especially celebrities of color and celebrities from I'm different I'm so glad you're saying that because countries. I was thinking right now, I was trying to think, okay, like who are artists who get a lot of flack for not speaking, quote unquote, speaking out about certain issues, you know, mm-hmm. in the in the US at least. Yeah. And the artists that like come to mind are POC, like, mm-hmm. or black. And I think about like, you know, I mean, come on, let's take Beyonce. Beyonce <laughs> gets so, as much love as she gets from the beehive, like she gets so much hate and pressure for like, oh my gosh, you know, when the BLM protests were happening here um, and it was just like, why isn't she speaking out about this? Like, or she posted this, but she didn't say this. And, oh, right. she said this, but she should have said this. And then it just, it's like, my gosh, guys, like, you know, redirect that energy towards your like elected representatives. Do some <laughs> community organizing. a lot of money too. You know, it's just, it's never enough. And I understand, like I've, I've gone from being somebody who like, when I was younger, I wanted certain idols to speak up or to mm-hmm. say something. But in the end, like, I understand why so many choose to literally just stay away from anything like that, because they're going to be martyred regardless. Like, they're going to have more outrage than not. And I don't know. Yeah. Do do you think this stems from a place of, like, the business structure for idols and cult of celebrity being what it is that you're kind of encouraged to worship them as like, you know, your savior. <laughs> and, I mean, and that's why they're that called idols. Like, right, yeah. right, right. That's what I'm getting at. Like, and and so, you know, it's a very natural segue to kind of expect them to, you know, have a PhD in like geopolitical like yeah. conflict. <laughs> yeah. And, and to, to note, like while Jackson is giving this rant, he's completely like dressed in his like stage costume by the way he's like he looks ethereal oh, yeah, in that his sense, with his like right. white contacts and his like yeah, that, dark that help. dirt yeah. makeup his mesh shirt his yeah mesh shirt. his see-through mesh shirt <laughs> and drunk um, probably <laughs> yeah didn't he have a bottle of hennessy like in yeah. Hand? Yeah, 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 yeah yeah half yeah. a bottle this whole tour. <laughs> while he's while he's making this these comments mm-hmm. and granted no one asked Jackson his sentiments about the he brought this upon himself right? True. <laughs> like yeah. it wasn't yeah. some like hostile interview or yeah right like and again I'm not saying that I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do or think right like if you yeah, right. don't agree with his stance and you are so moved to like unstand him that's totally your right right like Mm -hmm. that's your line you should draw it and again also i don't think supporting him necessarily supports china any more than you supporting k-pop supports like south korean military right like Mm. you know Mm -hmm. um so or the government or whatever right like i think everyone has their lines and you need to figure it out and maybe it would behoove many of us to determine whether or not our reaction is based on like anti 
Chinese sentiments or anti-Asian sentiments mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Like things that you don't know you're taught, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Like ask yourself yeah. why, like, why yeah. are you angry about this? Why, why does his rent make you feel these things? Yeah. And again, not trying to tell people what to think. <laughs> so yeah, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe, maybe it's not my place. Because I think we're ending on a good spot on this one, but I will say, I, I was stir kind the of pot, fr- Peter. Stir yeah, the pot. Okay, okay, Peter just wants to keep like, okay, one more stir, one more stir. <laughs> uh, I I was kind of frustrated by how Jackson was just like the media, like you know, oh, okay. like you know, as this monolith, you know, conspiracy is like the media is out to get me, you know, <laughs> like like it's a very like authoritarian narrative that i i just i that part i didn't appreciate i you know what communist media probably is like that though oh sure or sinclair broadcasting my wonder (laughs) is like you said uh virginia you know this kind of like came out of nowhere i'm i'm now i'm very curious if there was anything specific that might have set this off like knowing that this was during his tour while he was in europe like what kind of situation he might have encountered that, you know, triggered these kind of emotions for him. Right. I thought that too right now. Like I, I had the same thought like come to mind because I was like, wait, was he in London? Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah he was in London. Yeah. He was in London. Yeah. I mean, listen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious too, like what in his, what encounters, if any, or what conversations prior to this? Because I, I don't think it's, Hearing what he said, I understand where he's coming from because I think, I think naturally when you're from a, I I don't know what the new term is, you know, underrepresented group in the public eye, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you belong to a marginalized group within, you know, specifically I'm thinking right now the U.S., like you're, when you get that chance, okay, let me rephrase this. So I'm first generation Mexican-American, you know, and I feel like when I'm in certain spaces and there is an opportunity, you know, something comes, something in the discussion naturally gravitates toward like the U.S. relationship with Mexico, for instance, Mm -hmm. very specific. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, you know, when I'm in spaces where I'm the only one, (laughs) it is, I do have, I I want to say something, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. preemptively or not to try and, uh, set the record straight, you know? Yeah. And I think having that personal lived experience and then seeing Jackson Wang so proudly, you know, say, Hey, I'm from China. And also now that I'm on the stage in London, like, I'm gonna really let you know, (laughs) I, whether or not he delivered, you know, to the satisfaction of everybody, Obviously not, but I understand where maybe the desire, you know, came from. Yeah. And um, I'm, that now makes me curious, like Petey yeah. Nunn said, um, and Michaela said, like, what prompted this? I mean, I have a, I have a tinfoil hat theory. We could probably cut it, but I think I maybe mean, does it have anything to do with him being from Hong Kong and the history of the UK and Hong Kong and how especially when Hong Kong was like having their uprising a few years ago, the the UK offered like citizenship to all people who were born in Hong Kong prior to 1997. Oh. And 
you know, Jackson, you know, again, with that red star on his chest being like, hey, I'm here. I'm Chinese. Mm. I mean, it's not any more tinfoil hat than me saying he's still mad about the opium wars. Uh, <laughs> I, I like I, I, I've got my own theory. Like, I, I think he, he's just like probably set off by like maybe he's seen a few like, you know, Fox News, like media reports and like, go oh, China's out to get us. Like, they're all, they're only about, you know, persecuting right. Uyghurs or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, as a culture, they're they're all communist authoritarian and not recognizing the cultural ethnic diversity um, of the country. And I think that that's where he's maybe trying to get at. Like, hey, you know, they're, Chinese people are so cool. You could meet such so many like awesome people. You would love it here. So right. I think that's that's really what he's trying to get at. If, my guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe Jackson, if you let us interview you uh, <laughs> when you come here in April, uh, we can find out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'll speak Chinese to you, Jackson. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, my wife would come on that episode too. I, I who? Oh, Virginia. We were maybe okay. This this episode. So we recorded an episode last week, which should come out next week, and this episode will come out the following week. But anyway, on the last episode that's not yet aired yet at the time of this recording. Sorry, this time is so weird. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> we, we, we we quoted you, uh, Virginia, saying like, the way you'll be so honest with Jackson about <laughs> you not having a boyfriend. Yes. Um, anyway, my wife is the same way. She said, <laughs> I would tell him the exact same thing. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so, We're not lying. Like, yeah. It's his fault for not being specific. Right, right. No. Okay, we, we should move this episode along. Let, let's get to the final section here. Yeah, um, here let's, okay. let's, let's bring up the energy again. Let's, let's go. Yeah, yeah. So up next, it's Jay Buck or not. So I'll read the thing, and then we can all go around saying whether we're Jay Buck or not on that item, and you can interpret that thing however you want, or we can have like a quick breakout discussion to clarify, like, Peter, what do you mean by that thing? Okay, my and my daughter has something to say here too. Okay, so um, essentially, Daybok being like your your glass half full and not your your half empty. So, yeah. on the topic of Jackson Wang, the Jackson Wang experience, and Jackson Wang Matchman tour, and getting Jackson Wang concert tickets, are you guys Daybok or not on Jackson Wang's fan engagement on his tour? So, in other words, uh, the fan service on stage. The, the spectacle to truly behold and uh, also just being thoughtful and playful with his fans off stage. So inviting them to join them for dinner after the show and um, being really sensitive to how he takes uh, photos with fans. I'm Tabak for like some things. I think, <laughs> I think the fan engagement on stage is like, love to see it. <laughs> I think like him being mindful, you know, of um, how fans are portrayed in like joint photo ops and that kind of stuff is like always, to me at least comes off like as like being considerate. Right. I would say not Tebak on like the inviting the fans to hang out after a show. And the reason I say that is just because I, I really, you know, these idols get, their privacy is already like at risk so much. Mm -hmm. And I just like, as a fan worry about like overall safety and privacy issues when you're kind of like really blurring that line in that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you lose the identity of your reality because you're a character on stage, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, for better or worse, like you, it often ends up being that way. And so like, where do you, 
Because one identity and the other began. Yeah. It opens yeah. him up also to a lot of uh, abuse, right? Like, yeah. Or mm-hmm. like, hey, someone can say, hey, you drugged me or you, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like really mm-hmm. awful things. Um, Not that, oh, right. Like you just don't know. Yeah. I personally so, think it's debug. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm totally debug at this. <laughs> especially, especially like, well, for, for one, I would love to live that your name life and be right. that person on exactly. stage. I, I would have to bring a chair with me, though, because I'm significantly taller than Jackson. So just to make a little bit <laughs> awkward. You know, if you're significantly taller than him, then his face is at a perfect level for motorboating. And I feel like that's right. great. Um, oh, yeah, but, but also he always he always talks about like the most depressing time being like the time he comes home from a concert and there's nobody there. Like, yeah. you know, the, the, you know the, the concept of like, oh, the fans are there for him, too. It's like nice. But like, I, I'm not I'm not like rose colored glasses on everything. I, I do agree with you that it does open him to a lot of. Uh, so we're Daybok and not on that one. Okay, yes, we're Daybok and not. I, the topic was a little too broad. My bad. Okay, l- listen, l- like. Yeah. Michaela brought up a good point about the Your Name Life. It is like every single fucking like Jackson Wang fanfic come to life. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have to say about that. Hey, yeah, I, have, Wang... I, have, I have GA for his concert in San Francisco. See, there we go. Oh, I'm so yeah. jealous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, uh, I'll, I'll just add that Jackson Wang is hella popular. If you can see, like he's got upward traction here. Okay. So are you guys Daybok or not? I can't, I can't believe I'm reading this. It's truly a state of our times. But are you guys Daybok or not on the K-pop group NCT127 holding a virtual event on Roblox to celebrate 127 Day? Daybok, get those 12-year-old coins. <laughs> I mean, Daybok, I guess, but like... It's so weird. I don't understand this. Yeah, this is the new reality, of Virginia. This is the world we live in. I mean, is it weirder though than like Ariana Grande having her virtual concert in like Fortnite? No, no. So it's like I don't know. I feel like yeah. I, I Fort- think this Fortnite is just Fortnite makes a little bit more sense. I feel like the demographic for that one is a little bit older. more ri- wide. But mm-hmm. with Roblox, I'm thinking of like elementary school kids and. Right? Am I, am I wrong about the demographic for that game, no, Peter? I think you're right. Yeah. But is that also the demo for NCT 127? <laughs> I don't know, right? Like, and gosh, Alexis is in here, of... but I feel like she would have strong opinions on that. No, I mean, I'm a demographic of NCT 127, and I have kids in elementary school. <laughs> oh, maybe it's their, you know, their stretch demo that they're trying to get, get to. Exactly. You know? Like I said, get those 12-year-old coins, mm-hmm. NCT. And then that, that fandom will age with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Next. Wait, wait, are wait, we... wait. Oh. Teresa, are you Daybuck or not on that? I think it's fine. Yeah. So Daybuck. okay. Sure. All right. Are you guys Daybuck or not? On Taeyong in a song Vibe featuring not. Jimin of VP. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so bad. Right then. Wait, so is everyone not on it? Wait, who said that? Sorry, it's I was Virginia. I wasn't... Sorry. It's 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 like a really generic bad r&b song <laughs> yeah what 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 do the rest of you think no one wants to say anything bad about bts okay uh <laughs> well no i was waiting for Teresa because i i've already said on the last episode this was a not for me okay i mean the live version is great yes. but the song itself is still a not although say, it gets stuck in my head all the time yeah i think it gets stuck in my head 
And I'm like a gym in bias. So it's also oh, okay. going to get stuck in my head because of that. Mm. Um, I'll say Tebak on the live version and having okay. more that, idols that, that on was NPR. The next question. Tiny that was the, desk. Oh, it's actually not tiny, tiny oh. desk. I, I just call it that because it's in the same vibe. So oh the God. next item on the list here was uh, if you are not on Vibe, the music video, are you Daybok or not on the live version of Vibe? And Daybok, I Daybok. am day to the Bach on that. I it's think we so are good. all are. It is, it is profoundly a different song. Thank um, God. <laughs> like, honestly, this is what they should have led with. Their yes. voices come through so much better. Yes. And and they, they comfort zone for both of their voices. So it is mm-hmm. day to the Bachness. It's so good. It, it, which makes the original so much more disappointing. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Are you guys debak or not on YG introducing fan etiquette or their campaign to introduce fan etiquette? So they're introducing rules like, hey, um, please refrain from unauthorized visits to artists' personal spaces, oh, their yeah. dorm, and unofficial schedule sites. Um, or please refrain from acts such as stalking or obtaining contact details of the artist, the artist's family and friends, and constantly contacting them through calls and texts. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyway. I'm going to say Tebak to the actual fan etiquette uh, mm-hmm. rundown. I'm going to say not Tebak on the fact that we need a fan etiquette campaign in the first place. Yes. Agreed. I, mm, Mikhail? I, I agree. So, okay. So Tebak on having the rules, not that we have to have them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I'm kind of Tebak on maybe both accounts. I, I, I think I, I want to say you got to draw a line. And I think, you know, honestly, all the oh, other labels... wait, no, I mean it in, like, that the fact that things are so bad that YG has to, like... No, no yeah, 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 no, I get okay, you. Gotcha. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, it is, and you're saying it is indeed unfortunate that we've gotten to this point where it has to be spelled out. Yes. But, uh, look, you look at all the other labels, they're, they're all too scaredy cats, in my opinion. Oh, Hype so, doesn't have that problem. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> No. Yes. No way. Yeah. No, you're not I've, serious, I've are you? I've had that thing for a long time. They sue people. Oh. Oh, you mean like... But in general, like they like they don't really draw a distinction from crazy stalkers to like people's like saying shit on the internet. Okay. In, in other words, they, they aggressively persecute. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. if you're talking about SM, then yes, SM has no problem with writing that stalkers. line yeah. like, please continue well, anyway I, I i guess i just want to say there there needs to be like more of like industry-wide union like standard setting on this like i think there needs to be more of a proactive effort and yeah you can say it's unfortunate that i got to this place where yg had to set some ground rules but i think the industry as a whole needs to come together and do this mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm Daybuck on it. Okay. Are you Daybuck or not on Girls on Top, the beat, stamp on it? Daybuck. <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry. You, 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 you yeah. No, no, no. Oh, Daybuck. Daybuck. I haven't heard it yet, so I don't know. Okay. Uh, Teresa? Not Daybuck. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not on it as well. It is so forgettable. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm, yeah. I, I I am an SM stan for life. I was I was raised on all four generations of these women's music. So seeing them mm. in one 
you know, just working together as a team and just looking gorgeous and fierce and See, but that's everything except the song that you're talking about. Yeah, that's, that's, oh, exactly that's what I was K-pop in say. general, though. Like, that's but not fair. For you can't. me, the but song. Here, but here we're talking about the song. We're not talking about the group. The song is a great. I've, I've we've heard I've heard other people mention this, and I, I agree with them. It's like the song is a great amalgamation of like everything SM does in songs, <laughs> <laughs> which is a we're great lead into the together, next one, right? Whether we need it or not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am also very not on uh, Girls on Top because, like, oh my God, like, I love these girls. I also grew up with them, Michaela, but like, this is disappointing to have them presented and used in this way. Mm-hmm. Check out the album, though. The album has some 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 great songs on there, Peter. Okay. All right. So, uh, as Teresa was getting at, the next item on here: Are you guys Jaybok or not on Chat GPT and generative AI in K-pop? Daybok because it's hilarious most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so what do you mean by that? Uh, like in the in the few examples that you've posted in Slack, Peter, of like asking um, these these AI to like, uh, you know, describe K-pop in 2022, or it it it's very uh, humorous to kind of see where you know it pulling all this data and compiling it in a very interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What 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 do the rest of you all think? I think as a creative and a a writer, I don't particularly like the idea of generative AI and chat GPT, but as a person Mm -hmm. who's just amused, it's cool, you know? I'm going to second that. Yeah. I I like it for um, composing JYP romance novels. (laughs) 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 Like you could do like really fun mashups and stuff like that. Um, But you know, this is all built on the backs of like existing public data. Mm-hmm. So it means we're probably going to get less original stuff if that's all you're drawing from. Um, and but that, who's to say that K-pop isn't already? Uh, oh my God, I cannot pronounce it. But like permutations of like parroting data. And is that not what the K-pop industry is already? So... I think at its most cynical, you're probably right, but it's also very creative, right? Like K-pop is yep. extremely creative. And I feel like generative AI can only regurgitate. Yep. So they probably could have written Vibe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, moving on. Okay, okay, moving on. Could they do moving hype on. your attention? Anyway, I'm going to write about it on the next newsletter. Okay, are you guys Daybuck or not on Twice's Moon O'Clock song, um, Moonlight Sunrise? That's Jenna Schwink Wink. I also haven't heard this yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was like on my list of like listening to just before this recording because it just came out last night. Yep. So in my defense, it just came out last night. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Daybuck on this time. one. I, I think it's one of... I, I think twice as English songs are getting better. <laughs> the feels was a really good song. Wait, though. I was gonna say better. I love the feels. Like I listen to the, I, that's a regular on my playlist. Yeah, from twice. I, I, I think Moonlight Sunrise has a hella Daybok percussion, upbeat like hip hop percussion uh, drum pattern. So it's it's really good. Mm. Okay, are you guys Daybok or not on Dreamcatcher's US tour? 
Debak, because I missed them last time. Yeah, Debak. <laughs> there were so many tours last year. I had to cut out a few people, and they they were touring at the same time as TXT too. So I know. Oh, you had to choose TXT. There are some sorry. TXT Dreamcaster fans that might have been crossed on this one. Yeah, and, and Teresa, are you Debak on that one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm Debak so long as they're not with the same promoter touring company who put them at the world's worst venues and like there's borderline Luna level of like artist casualties and like <gasps> really? fans being overpacked into venues and stuff. Oh yeah. God. The midway sucks. Okay. Um, next item. <laughs> Are you guys Daybok? Oh, uh, this might be your last item. I think it is. Yeah. Oh, wrapping uh, it up for this okay. section. Uh, are you guys Daybok or not to JYP's response to Yeji asking, hey, what can we do to stay more on top on the charts? And JYP saying, those who can dance and sing live survive. So I, I guess that's more of a profound thing. It's hard to be Daybok or not. But uh, I, I don't know. Are you asking whether we think Yeji's question is Daybok or I, I guess JYP's more, answer? More, more, more JYP's answer, yeah. I think it's Daybok. Yeah, I think what what JYP is implying here is that there's not a lot of people who can do the dancing and singing at the exact same time. You know, Wait, Peter, can we like read the quote itself? Yeah. Okay. So, um, Yeji asked. They're they're kind of eating dinner or lunch or something together, and she's like, you know, lunch with uh, JYP Opa, and she asked JYP, "Hey, because of the times today, when our song is good, we go up." But when it is not that good, we go down right away. This seems to happen really fast. So I'm really torn between what distinct characteristics we should keep and develop to maintain the position together. And so JYP, in his Sunbay wisdom, replied, <laughs> um, there aren't many idols who can hold a mic and sing and dance at the same time. That's who will survive. Those who can dance and sing live survive. It's hard to say all members of groups are skillful enough to become solo artists, but that's true for you guys. So I hope you all prepare yourselves. I think like what JYP is getting at is that the public is hypercritical of idols that they feel can't do that. Yes. So twice, twice is an, an example. You of know, that. like, Ooh. okay, well, yeah, I, I think he's just, the, I think he's hinting at that. Like, uh-huh. hey, if you can do this, you're going to be able to defend yourself against a public that is going to be ready and willing to tear you down. If you go on um, any of the music shows or any of the variety shows for that matter, and like, you can't do this live, you know? Yeah. So are you Daybuck or not on on the, the words here? I think for longevity, yeah. I think, yeah, Daybuck. Virginia? Michaela? Oh, I think it's Debak. But as for longevity, I mean, look at Britney Spears. She's still around, so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I'm Debak on it as well. I think, you know, honestly, if I'm perhaps overrating into this, but I think he's kind of implying beyond Itzy, like your careers as like performers, entertainers after JYP, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like at and, Sunmi. And like, that's where I'm kind of not on on this one, just because with with the con like the, the whole idol package, like most not all idols are just singer, songwriter, performers. Some are models, some are actors, some go into many other venues of entertainment. Um so for me, I'd as being an idol, I don't think it is 
yes, singing and dancing is an essential part of your job. Um, but for survival, I think there are many other opportunities afforded to to people in the industry. Mm. Oh, I think I interpreted the quote differently. So Yeah, I, that's just from my interpretation. Of, yeah. Of, that's no, why I think, I'm a not on this one. So I, I agree with you. Like, I think like there are different career paths for idols and a lot of them you see them go into acting or other, you know, other careers. Um, I think like JYP very specifically here though is talking about like being able to chart as an artist, because that's Yeji's question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do we maintain our position? Like our, you know, if our song is charting well, then like, okay, cool. But then sometimes it's not. So like, how do we, how do we stay on top of the charts? Is like what I interpreted the question to be. And he also yeah. adds context, right? Skillful enough to become solo artists. Mm-hmm. Yes. What's that quote from Blade Runner? Um, you know, the, the candle that <laughs> burns twice as bright. Uh, what? falls burns uses up twice as quickly it's like you know there, there's something in here like how long do you want your career arc to be do you want to be on top number one for a fleeting moment mm-hmm. or do you want to be like you know number 20 on the list every now and then over a few years and with that um, <laughs> <laughs> so no really we gotta wrap up this episode yeah, no, this we're, we're hella long on. Um, okay, so lastly, hey, let's 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 plug your thing. So uh, you're on the show to promote something. You got a book to sell, whatever. Um, so what, what what's your thing? Where can people follow you? Um, but let's go with you, Virginia, first. Oh, okay. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at the Mandarin Mama, and you can, I guess, sign up. Is it sign up? Notification? Whatever. I have a YouTube channel called Mandarin Subscribe. Mama. Subscribe. Subscribe. Yes, sure. clearly. Click the bell. Click the notification bell. Yay. Like, comments. And Stan, my fifth child, coming soon. Are you going to write like a... I did this for my kids. I, I wrote like a K-pop press release. Like, 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 for the debut of... Like, you know, CXL makes, you know, grand debut of like a leader solo maknae. Rapper, you know, dancer, visual. Maybe I should do a reaction video to my child being born. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh. Okay, no comment. Um, (laughs) uh, Teresa. Teresa. Yeah, Yeah, uh, so you... So as Peter mentioned at the top of the show, I'm the co-host of It's a K-Pop Thing. It's a new podcast co-hosted by myself and Alexis, who's, I know, definitely been on the K-Pop cast. Uh, we just had our first episode released this week Yay! and finally, we're really excited. <laughs> I know, finally. It's been a long time coming, but basically it's a podcast where we talk about all the things that make K-Pop distinctly K-Pop. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at IKPTPod. Yeah. I really enjoyed listening to the first episode. It was really good. Yeah. Like, honest to God. Like I listened to it, I was like, "Damn, I wish I had time to do something like that." Right. Like just, just, just like, just the way you, you, you like researched and structured and like had like multiple interviews and you like kind of brought it was like real compiled radio different style. audios. Yeah, and like, it was yeah. like really good. Oh, wish we could you. do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, PD. <Pete, you> know. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm like patting your back and we're kind of like walking off to the sunset. But yeah. anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm sorry, no, Teresa. Anything else? <laughs> No, I was just going to say, like, thank you for saying that. Um, it does take a lot of time and work and effort, but we're hoping to uh, 
be able to continuously improve. So I'm always looking for feedback. Um, and yeah, guys, this is kind of the thing that I dedicate myself to. So making podcasts usually for other people. So it's nice to finally be working on one of my own. Yeah. Be a, yeah. a, a talent on the show. To the K-pop podcast community. Yeah. Okay. And you can follow us at the K-pop cast on things, but I think we're not sure what's going on with Twitter. So join us on the Slack. We've got a lot of fun people, listeners there. We, we talk about things. <laughs> listeners even go to concerts together. Like they, they, they're buddies. They go to concerts without us. <laughs> right? How dare. I, it's so <laughs> cute seeing it. Though. I'm also like FOMO. <laughs> but, but it's also funny. It's like, you'll, you'll see them like, oh yeah, we both went to this concert together. We were like row four. And then someone else would be like, oh, it's behind you guys. Or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, I didn't get an invite. I, I, I work across the street from the venue. Okay, guys. No oh. <laughs> Whatever. Um, okay. All right. Thanks again, everyone. Tune in for the next episode. Bye. 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 Now I grow up.